a good move. Why don't you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie. I'm watching these episodes. And the episode I watched this week is Season 1, Episode 3, Bus of the Undead. The Bus of the Undead! Vampires! So real quick before we start the episode, I just want to thank everybody again for having reached out, for, you know... Anything that you've done to help the show, there's been a lot of you. It's just super incredible to see how willing and almost eager people are to get the word out, especially you guys with like really big pages, big big adult swim pages, big aqua scene pages who are excited to share my posts and stuff. Just I'm just super grateful for all that and grateful for you for listening right now. So yeah, enough of that. Let's let's talk about this episode. Okay, before we check out what was going on the week of September 30th, 2001, uh, the, the day that this episode of Aqua Teen aired, I would like to mention a podcast that just put out an episode about the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters called The You Show Show by Calvin Laser McMurray. I checked it out and really enjoyed it. So, hey, if, if you want to listen to more Aqua Teen-centric podcast episodes, check out episode 14 of The You Show Show. Anyways, yes. September 30th, 2001. This episode aired two weeks after the previous Aqua Teen episode aired. So it went Escape from Leprocopolis on the 9th, Rabot on the 16th, and now we are on the 30th with Bus of the Undead. So a bit of time traveling, moving around back and forth, but I don't think that really happens again in the Aqua Teen air order. So the big hit film this week was the kidnap mystery thriller don't say a word, grossing over $17 million. Holy smokes, that's a lot of money. It stars Michael Douglas, Sean Bean, and Brittany Murphy. Again, haven't seen this one. It has a 6.3 on IMDb and 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, something I have seen that came out this week was Zoolander, which I like that movie. I haven't seen the second one, but the first one's pretty funny. And Zoolander also stars Patton Oswalt, who goes on to star in Aqua Teen, uh, I believe in a few episodes. And Patton also gets his own show on Adult Swim called The Heart She Holler, which if you have not seen is incredible by the same people who made Xavier Renegade Angel. Just a really unique, funny show. So check out Heart She Holler if you haven't on Adult Swim. Like a freaking dummy, a freaking dingus. I haven't been talking about video games on this podcast. I'm sorry, gamers. I've got you this episode and every episode from now on. This week in gaming, NHL 2002 came out on the PlayStation 2. Uh, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a hunk. I'm not a sports jock, so I didn't play it, but maybe you did. Sony Computer Entertainment's Eco came out on PlayStation 2 September 24th, 2001. I've not played Eco, but I know what it is. I believe by the same team who made Shadow of the Colossus. And Eco has one of the worst North American release covers of all time. It's just an awful cover but for the rest of the world the cover they got was pretty cool so i guess the sales weren't too great in the states because of the the just awful 3d rendered cover for this game but yeah the game was critically acclaimed and last but not least this week we had silent hill 2 
released. All this on the 24th for the PlayStation 2. Big release day for the PlayStation 2 here. Haven't played Silent Hill games, but I have played Dead by Daylight. I'm big into that game, so I'm familiar with some of the characters. I've seen the Silent Hill movie. Definitely Silent Hill is on my list. I want to play through those games. But yeah, that that's this, this week in gaming. Again, big week for the PlayStation 2. I never had a PlayStation 2. Very, very sad. Looks like I was really missing out on this week in 2001. On to our popular music from this week. Our Billboard 100 number one single was... Fallen by Alicia Keys, taken over the I'm Real Murder remix by Jennifer Lopez. Um, in- interesting battle between these two songs, though. So Fallen was the number one song for three weeks from August 18th to September 1st. Then I'm Real Murder remix took over for three weeks. Now Fallen takes back for three weeks. And then I'm Real Murder remix will take back for two weeks. So these songs going back and forth, back and forth until... Mary J. Blige's family affair kicks him to the curb and takes over. I I have heard Fallen and listening back to it for this show, it's a good song. I really enjoy the the bass line in it. It reminds me a lot of early dubstep music that, that you would hear in like 2005. Just really classic song from Alicia Keys. And speaking of Jennifer Lopez, since we've already talked about her a ton this podcast, on the 29th, so one day before this Aqua Teen episode aired... She wed backup dancer Chris Judd, uh, but the marriage would end in June 2002. Moving on to our Billboard 200 number one album this week, we had. Jay Z's The Blueprint, released by Rockefeller Records, moving over 426,000 units. This was a big album. I'm not that familiar with Jay-Z's catalog outside of like his hits, but definitely recognize lots of the songs off this one. This is one of the few albums that was both popular at the time and is still held in high esteem. A lot, a lot of the music we'll be hearing, I think, on this podcast will not have the same fate. On the 25th of this week, so five days before this episode of Aqua Teen aired, Tenacious D released their first album. And surprisingly, Jack Black and Kyle Gast have never appeared on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I was never big into Tenacious D. I don't know why. Their movie came out at, at what seemed like the right time for me. I was a big, you know, rock metal kid in school. But for some reason, it just never clicked with me. But maybe I'll have to watch it again and give it a second chance. Uh, really surprised looking up that they never were on Aqua Teen. I really thought Jack Black was at some point, but I guess not. Both Kyle Gass and Jack Black were on other Adult Swim shows, though. For example, they both appeared in the first episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor, Tim and Eric's first show. And speaking of Adult Swim, this leads us into our next little segment here, something I can't believe I never thought of before. Let's talk a little bit about what was airing on Adult Swim this exact day in history. We had two new episodes of home movies premiering. We had School Nurse and Mortgages and Marbles. I think Mortgages and Marbles is the episode where Eric, Melissa's dad, he's a realtor, and he's talking to somebody. I can't remember if it's Coach McGurk or Paula or somebody, but he he's like, yeah, it's a seller's market. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm looking to buy. He's like, oh, it's, it's a buyer's market. <laughs> These fucking real estate agents, man. After that, we had this episode of Aqua Teen, Bus of the Undead. Again, obviously, another new episode. After that, we had a new episode of C-Lab 2021, Lost in Time. So four brand spanking new episodes coming out of Adult Swim here. 
And then to wrap up the night, we had two episodes of Space Ghost, both episodes that had aired over a year earlier. We had Fire Ant and Table Read. Table Read was them doing a Table Read for Fire Ant. And Table Read does feature Dave Willis and Matt Malaro uh, in person because it's not an animated episode. It's them literally like acting out this episode. Fire Ant is really funny. So the original airing of it literally has Space Ghost following a fire ant on screen for over 10 minutes, which is just so subversive and crazy that they would air that. But subsequent airings cut all that out, making it a normal 11-minute episode, which is the one broadcast here tonight. But yeah, the balls on these guys to take up 10 minutes of airtime of Space Ghost just following a, a fire ant around outside with, with a magnifying glass, I believe. It, it's not like nothing, literally nothing happens. It's just a loop of him following it for 10 minutes. It's crazy. So yeah, that's our night in Adult Swim, Home Movies, Aqua Teen, Sea Lab, Space Ghost. Sounded like a good night, dude. Watching those episodes after playing Silent Hill 2 all week. Holy smokes. I think, I think that's it. We're, we're, we're prepared. We're in the right mindset. Let's jump into this episode of Aqua Teen. Following the trend of our previous Aqua Teen episodes, this Dr. Weird intro directly correlates to the Aqua Teen episode itself. And interesting bit here, for some reason, the intro music is higher pitched, which you'll hear in a moment once I play the clip. Honestly, I probably wouldn't play this clip if it were any other episode, but what's interesting in this one is you can kind of see them playing with the format and the formula of these Dr. Weird openings. Because after we see the Dr. Weird bit, we see just Moth Monster Man, the creature he created and the, the monster of this episode, flying around a little bit, and you see how he finds the Aqua Teens. So let's jump into it. <laughs> Gentlemen, behold! Moth Monster Oh no! Moth Monster Man, no! Come back! He has escaped! Yes, through the hole! My banana! Oh my god. Oh, sweet, delicious light. All right, so we start with Gentlemen. We see Dr. Weird has created Moth Monster Man. Uh, for what reason? Obviously, we have no idea. Seems like a random thing to create. At least in Rabot, he said, like, vegetables have been plaguing man for generations, so it made sense he was going to destroy the vegetables. The Rainbow Maker 400 and Escape from Leprocopolis doesn't really make sense, but it seems more sensical than... <laughs> making Moth Monster Man. But who am I to question Dr. Weird? I noticed Dr. Weird's voice sounds weirdly modulated in this clip. I don't know if they were trying some effects on it or what, but I don't think we hear that again. So he reveals Moth Monster Man and instantly Moth Monster Man just flies out the hole in the wall. So we're three for three with the continuity of this hole being in the wall, which I love. It's just really funny that he doesn't patch it up because bad stuff happened in the previous episode because of it. And now he's allowing bad stuff to keep happening because of the rabbit hole. Who we presume is still downtown dancing. We never really find out what happens there. I noticed when Dr. Weird moves, there's like a straight pixel that follows him around. For anybody that does any sort of animation or even just image editing, it seems like they forgot to erase some sort of little pixel somewhere. And it just stays with them as they move the image around. Pretty funny and pretty charming, honestly. So visual thing here. After Dr. Weird says yes through the hole, he trips and he just says, my banana. It feels like normally that's where they would cut the skit. But then we see Moth Monster Man flying through the night sky and he sees a ton of light coming out of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force house. So a nice tie into the episode because we directly see where Moth Monster Man came from, how he found the house, etc. And we hear Moth Monster Man is H. John Benjamin, one of my favorite voice actors. I'm sure one of yours as well. 
dude's a legend, one of the most famous voice actors ever on the show. Although at the time, he obviously wasn't as famous as he is now. So we mentioned earlier there was two episodes of Home Movies aired and then this episode of Aqua Teen. So this was a big night for H. John Benjamin. He was in an hour, 15 minutes of Adult Swim. The first hour and 15 was his voice, you know? I initially knew H. John Benjamin from Home Movies as Coach McGurk. I also now love him as Ben Katz from Dr. Katz, which is made by a lot of the same people as Home Movies. So if you like Home Movies... Check out Dr. Katz. It's a little different in that a lot of the shtick of the show was was having on stand-up comedians. They would do their bits. It was framed as a therapy session with Dr. Katz. But in between those clips, you have some great acting between Jonathan Katz and H. John Benjamin. Really like happy show in a way. Like it's a father and son. They love each other. Ben Katz is like a loser at the time. Again, in the 90s, he was 24 living with his dad. And he didn't really have a job or anything. Nowadays, that's a bit more common, I feel like, because of the state of the economy and everything. But at the time, you would expect a father to hate his son for still living at home. Jonathan Katz was really loving towards him in the show. It was just a really feel-good show in between some stand-up bits from some really big comedians, like huge comedians that are still very big today. But yeah, I got to looking up H. John Benjamin's history because I didn't really know a whole lot about like stuff he had done before he got big. Um, he started his comedy career working with Sam Cedar, who went on to be in home movies. I think he was Fenton, the... Uh, the whiny kid. Now I think he has like a political show or something like that. H.M. Benjamin also worked with legends John Glazer, Todd Berry, and David Cross early in his career. Um, all three of those went on to be featured in multiple other Aqua Teen episodes. All three of them very, very big in their own right. John appeared in the 1999 episode of Space Ghost, King Dead, where he was kidnapped by Zorak and Moltar. So that's kind of like his introduction to Dave Willis and Matt Malaro, who wrote that episode. Also of note, he portrayed a talking can of vegetables in the movie Wet Hot American Summer in 2001, which is, you know, funny because now he's on Aqua Teen where there are also talking food products. We've been talking about home movies a lot for obvious reasons. Home movies was picked up by Adult Swim after UPN dropped it after just five episodes in 1999. But yeah, home movies premiered in 99 and then didn't come back until Adult Swim launched in early September of 2001. So quite the delay. If you want to hear more about like this whole process, you can check out Brendan Small's interview on the Adult Swim podcast. It's very insightful as to like how volatile it was for the show getting dropped and then picked back up and all that stuff. And it's really cool how Adult Swim became like a haven for these great shows that premiered on the wrong network. Another show that comes to mind is Mission Hill, which was on the WB and dropped after just a few episodes as well. Anyways, to wrap up this tangent on the great H. John Benjamin, he went on to be in a million other shows, uh, notably Family Guy, but he also took lead roles in lots of big shows such as Archer, Bob's Burgers, and not a big show, but he starred in his own live action show, John Benjamin Has a Van, which has some pretty big guest stars in it as well. But yeah, cool thing about John Benjamin is he does basically the same voice in every show he's in. And it goes to show that to be a good voice actor, you don't need to be able to do a million voices, which is what people always think that voice acting is. You just need to be an actor. And that's what he is. He can act, he can be funny, and he just uses his own voice and everyone loves it. Okay, back to this episode of Aqua Teen. It is nighttime as established in the Dr. Weird skit because Moth Monster Man was flying towards the Aqua Teen house because there was light coming out of it. Obviously, you'd only see that in the night. Finally, we get the modern Aqua Teen house that we're used to, not like the weird early 2000s looking 3D animation one that we had in the previous few episodes. Fun animation error here, though, is 
we get we get like a zoom into the house and you can see black bars around the image as it zooms in. So basically like the picture wasn't big enough, but they wanted to zoom more than they could. So you could, they had to like pull the image back a bit. So it, you can see it as it gets bigger. It's literally just a picture getting bigger. But yeah, we have a ton of blinking lights coming out of the house and they're pretty noisy too. There's even light coming out of the chimney. It's just an insane sight to see. There's a flag on their roof. It's a black flag with a yellow circle inside it. And inside that yellow circle is Master Shake's silhouette. And then after that, we get an interior shot. The first time seeing the Aqua Teen Hunger Force living room, we do see it in some alternate scenes, but this is the official time seeing it like in a broadcast episode. Shake is sitting on the recliner watching TV with some sort of helmet apparatus on his head with four spotlights on it. And that's the source of the light. Shake is sitting in the dark watching TV and Frylock comes out because he cannot sleep from the lights and all the noise from the lights. Shake, man. I'm trying to sleep. How can you sleep when assisted living Dracula is on? <laughs> I know it seems a little slow, but when you get into it, I mean, when you see it from the beginning. Yeah, okay, I, I see it, Shake. What's up with this light? Oh, this is a shake signal. Whenever there is danger, it will turn on, and we will follow it to justice. And it's going to stay on your lid the whole time. Yes, I was thinking that, yes. So let me get this straight. If there's trouble downtown, and you're in here with that light on your head. Well, naturally, who is ever in trouble will have to catch a bus and, <laughs> and let us know. Why don't we just put it downtown? It stays on my head in here. This is the shake signal, the master shake signal. You got that? I'm gonna... You would get it, and you will get it. All right, so great opening, I think. Uh, the strongest so far. We get some great banter between all three of the characters. So Shake is watching Assisted Living Dracula, which is a real short film directed by Jay Edwards. Jay worked on Space Ghost, Squid Billies, and was involved in over 90 episodes of Aqua Teen as a producer, editor, and or voice actor, amongst other roles. He's just one of those guys that was crucial to the show. We see him show up as himself on the show occasionally, too, like in characters, just like as Jay. It's funny. But yeah, not sure if he made this short for this episode of Aqua Teen or if it was something he made beforehand. Assisted Living Dracula is available on the Volume 1 DVD, so you can watch it in its entirety. The gist of it is, it's, it's, kinda, it, it's like one minute long. It's, you, st you open with a nurse or CNA, a, a caretaker of some kind, feeding elderly Dracula applesauce or, so or something along those lines, while he keeps getting back up dramatically. It, it's hard to describe, really. It's just very strange, but like really mundane. Later that day, she's pushing him down a hallway in a wheelchair, and she takes him outside, and he dies from the sun. <laughs> so he disappears. And then it pops up and says, the end. But then a question mark fades in. And then we get another scene of him back in his bed, pushing what I assume is like a call button to put his call light on, crossing his arms and laying down. So this is mostly the scene that we see in this scene of Aqua Teen. However, on Shakes TV, they are showing footage not included in the short on the DVD. So like he presses the button and like looks over at the call light. He doesn't do that in the short that they give you. He just presses the button and lays down. So I'm not sure if it's a deleted scene or if it's just an alternate scene or whatever. Dracula is played by radio personality Don Kennedy, who was involved in 20 episodes of Space Ghost, three episodes of The Brack Show, and an episode of C-Lab 2021. Don also plays Vegetable Man in another in-universe movie shown in the next episode, as well as doing the voice of Lance in 2010 episode Rubber Man. The woman who plays the nurse in the short, she's not shown in the Aqua Scene episode, but she's in the short film if you watch it on the DVD is played by Mary Craft, who played Crystal in Squidbillies, who was a big character. 
And then she went on to appear in Stranger Things, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, which is co-created by Dave Willis. And uh, she voiced a computer in an episode of Aqua Teen. It's cool that she was in Stranger Things. I loved the first season, then I think I kind of got burnt out on the second one, and I just stopped watching. But I hear it got better, so good for them. So anyways, yeah, Frylock comes out, he's tired, it's early in the morning, and Shake... He's like, what are you doing? And Shake's just like, oh, I'm watching Assisted Living Dracula, like totally oblivious to the lights on his head. I love the way Shake says, I know it's a little slow, but when you see it from the beginning, <laughs> which is a similar sentiment kind of shared by Moth Monster Man later, which is funny because the short itself is just like bizarre, but like in universe here, it's actually like a good movie. <laughs> so Shake tells us it's the Shake signal. So tying into their uh, crime solving shtick here, which gets dropped pretty soon, I think. But yeah, his reasoning here is absolutely nonsensical. Like somehow people will turn it on when they're in need of help. But if it's on his head and he's in his house, how are they going to turn it on? It just makes no sense. Frylock points out how it makes zero sense. Um, I like here how Frylock says, you're going to keep that on your lid. He says shakes the lid instead of his head, which I love that. Miwad rolls in, says that he gets that it's the shake signal. And Shake like looks angry, says you would get it and you will get it. Like he's being a dick to Miwad, even though Miwad's kind of backing him up here. Uh, funny animation error here. We see the wire. So when it's when it's zoomed in on Shake, you see the wire attached to his helmet. But when it zooms out, you can see it's not plugged into anything or anything like that because they just didn't draw it to be long enough. So it's just funny that the the wire just abruptly ends. <laughs> but yeah, that leads us into this next scene where we hear a banging noise on the roof. Trouble on the roof. Get my design scrim. Will you relax? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the Master Shake design scrim is revealed. It's literally just like his outline put on a, an overhead projector. <laughs> Which really takes me back to uh, elementary school or middle school, I guess. Later on, when I was in high school, we got these like fancier projectors, which were like digital. But I'm sure people around my age and older remember those old overhead projectors, which just used transparent sheets and light to uh, magnify the image up onto the wall. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's still schools that use it too. I guess I shouldn't assume everyone had what I had. But yeah, Meatwad thinks it's a tooth fairy and Shake is so mean to him talking about how he's going to kick out his one precious tooth. The saddest look on Meatwad's face. Again, we're used to this at this point in the show of Shake just really being horrible to Meatwad, but it's always sad when it happens still. Poor guy. And when you think about it, the Tooth Fairy is such a weird tradition. Giving your kid money for their teeth? How did that even start? And how do parents get away with that? Have any of you guys woken up when your parents were in the act of swapping the money for the tooth? I mean, it, it had to have happened. It didn't happen to me. I don't know how my parents pulled it off, but one of you guys had to at least have experienced that. You wake up and your parents standing there with their fucking hand under your pillow. Jesus. And that's got to be hard for a parent, right? Like the tooth at some point for somebody has to have fallen behind the bed or something like that, or you went to get the kid's tooth. It wasn't there. So you just left the money. Then later the kid found the tooth under the bed or I don't know. <laughs> something weird. Anyways. I want to point out here that the dramatic music is from Assisted Living Dracula. I, and I don't think that's the music actually in the short film. I think they overdubbed it here with something else. Uh, music is way more dramatic. But yeah, we get more discussion on what the sound is. 
It does sound like wings, Miguel. Cosmonazzo! Then it must be... here. Dracula! <laughs> Dracula! <laughs> it is Dracula! Yeah, no, it's not Dracula. The blood drinker? Oh yeah, Miguel. That blood sucker would eat a meat man like you. That's a no-brainer. I crave that stuff. No, no. <laughs> oh, ferociously! I mean, where have you been? <laughs> My light! It stopped. Oh, man. At the beginning of this clip, Frylock floats up to the ceiling, and we get like a weird angle of their room. It, it's just, it doesn't look extremely consistent with the rest of the room, but you'd have to see it to really understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, Frylock floats up there, says it does sound like wings, Meatwad. Uh, and and it, you just get this great physical comedy of Shake looking at the TV, sees Dracula on the TV, uh, I should mention getting fed applesauce with dramatic action music playing. And says it must be Dracula, right? Like, he's literally just reacting to what he's seeing on the TV and just regurgitating it. It tells me why Dracula is trying to eat him. Frylock keeps saying, it's not Dracula. He says it so many times in this episode. It's not Dracula. And I love the way uh, Meatwad's like, oh, he'd eat meat or he, he would eat me. And Shake's like, yeah, they crave that stuff. <laughs> but it's funny because there's a great joke here of Meatwad being so scared that Dracula is going to eat meat, but literally all the Aqua Teens have talked about eating meat at some point, or you've seen them eating meat. Carl is a human. He eats meat. Humans eat meat. Like to Meatwad, this is some scary thing. Like if it was a human being scared of being eaten, but he's literally ground beef. Like <laughs> a lot of humans eat ground beef. So anyways, Shake's light helmet gets shut off at the end of the clip. That's what we hear. Moth Monster Man says, oh man. And I noticed when the Shake signal light goes out, you see, like, Shake's face is kind of superimposed over himself. It's just some sort of weird compositing error or something. I don't know. It's hard to describe. But yeah, we hear a knock at the door, and it is assumed it is Dracula. But we will soon find out it is not. Get the door, Meatwad. It's Dracula. I'm gonna do it. You do it. I'll get it. Hey, Carl. Carl, hey! Good morning, Carl. Yeah, it is a good morning there, little man. It's three in the morning. Carl, did you see our flag? <laughs> Pretty boss, huh? Look, all I know is that this cord here was plugged into my house. And your house was glowing like the freaking sun. So I put two and two together there, hey, and decided that you're pissing me off. <laughs> we are truly sorry, Carl. And it will probably never happen again. Could we have record back? No, no, dear. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it there since it's uh, mine anyways. Carl might want to be careful. Dracula's out there. Dracula? It's not Dracula. Go back to sleep, you freaks. So a knock at the door. Shake tells Meatwad to get it because it's Dracula. But when Shake is saying this, he doesn't seem scared at all, which is interesting because later in the episode, he clearly is scared. So yeah, I couldn't tell if he was just messing with Meatwad, but he, he does get scared later in the episode. So it seems like he really does think it's Dracula. But anyways, it's not Dracula. It's something much worse. It's Carl, an angry neighbor at three in the morning. I work night shift at my job, so on my days off when I work on this podcast, I'm usually working on this at 3 in the morning, so I don't know what Carl's so mad about. It's one of the most productive times of the day. We get a close-up of their house, and we see that their house number is 1171, and some great shots of, of the shake flag. You can see it animated, but in other shots later on, it's not animated. While they're talking, the camera periodically shows Moth Monster Man on the roof, which is pretty funny. He's just like chilling up there, like wanting the light to come back on. And a great line from Carl that he put two and two together and said that they're pissing him off because they're stealing his electricity. And we get the awesome joke of 
Shake's saying it will probably never happen again. And then he has like a funny look on his face where he's like biting his lower lip. And then he asks for the cord back. And then Carl reveals that the cord was his too. <laughs> so they're stealing his electricity with his own extension cord. Kind of reminds me of something you'd seen King of the Hill. There's plenty of jokes in that show about neighbors borrowing Hank's tools and stuff and not giving them back or whatever. But yeah, we see Shake has teeth, which is kind of weird. We did see them back in Rabot. I forgot to point it out. So it is shown periodically that he has teeth, but not that often. Anyways, as Carl walks away, Shake says, watch out, Dracula's out there. And we get a Schooly D transition. I want to play this one. I usually don't play a lot of them, but I think this one's pretty good. As he's saying it, the camera pans up to Moth Monster Man on the roof. And then towards the end of the transition, it shows the Aqua Teen like, title card. And then there's this blood that drips down it. Okay, so that cuts into it being daytime. We see there is a bus, a, a school bus, parked outside the Aqua Teen's house across the street. And the, the school bus is running, so you'll hear that fully when we get to the clip. There's no uh, talking here. It's just Shake runs out to Carl's house, grabs his newspaper, and then runs back home. And him grabbing the newspaper is a great animation because they didn't want to animate him bending over and getting it or whatever. They literally have him do like a flip outside of the frame, and then he pops back up with Carl's newspaper. It's just a really, really fun animation there. And then he runs back home. Did he see you? Shut up! And lock the door. Give me the funnies. Here, you read the coupons. Look, I ain't Fabric reading no coupons. Now give me the funnies. Do what I say because I said it. Do what I say because I said it. So yeah, Shake runs back. Miwad's asking him for those funnies. And he only wants to give him the coupons. I just love the line. Do, do what I say because I said it. Like, they could have just had the phone ring and that's it. But I love the way that Miwad kind of talks back in the capacity that he can. Because... You know, Shake can overpower him. Shake is smarter than him. But Meatwad just kind of gets a little jab back at him, which is great because up till this point, we haven't seen that very much. We've just seen Meatwad as, as Shake's punching bag. But yeah, phone rings and Shake answers the phone. Hey, hello. Hi. Hello. Look around. Notice anything? All right. Well. Eh, <laughs> uh, no. Are you sure about that? Definitely. Maybe. No, 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 no. Why don't you go look at your flag? It's ruined! Yeah. <laughs> it is ruined. I did that. Who is this? Who this is is none of your concern now. I suggest you turn on that light, or something else might happen. Cloth related. A great conversation between Shake and Moth Monster Man. John Benjamin really fitting into this universe. Just his delivery is perfect for this. So Moth Monster Man asks Shake on the phone if he knows there's anything awry. And we get like a cool first person panning around the room from Shake's perspective. And you heard me laugh because we see Meatwad in igloo form. And so it scrolls past him, then it goes back to him. And then Shake's just like, uh, no. <laughs> so that's the first time we see Meatwad in the igloo form. But to Shake, that's just normal. Meatwad's always doing that. And yeah, Moth Monster Man tells him to look at the flag. It's all chewed up like you would expect a moth to do to fabric. I love the flag animation again. It's It looks exactly like how you would animate a flag in like an, a video game around this period or even honestly 10 years past this period of just the texture moving around, I guess. Moth Monster Man revealing his intentions, his desires here. And he's calling from the school bus. I should have mentioned up top. You see, we get shots of him in the school bus. You'll see that in the episode artwork. He just wants the light back on. And then Frylock enters the room 
and Shake commands him to trace the call, where we get our third episode straight, three for three, with the Frydar. Frylock, trace this call. Now you listen to me, you coozed up gypsy. The call is coming <laughs> better, right? I hope inside right that right school now. bus. Inside the bus? It is the bus! The bus of the undead! Vampires! Two animation errors here. One, when you see the wall dividers between the kitchen and the living room, one is superimposed over the other, uh, intending for it to be broken, but really it's just bizarre looking. And also when we see the school bus, you can see like there's like a sliver of pixels through their wall you can see outside, which I'm pretty sure wasn't intentional. Frylock traces the call with his Frydar, which... Is a great ability. It can seem to do a lot in these early episodes. Shake calls Moth Monsterman a coozed up gypsy, and then he starts to like ad lib while Frylock is talking, and I can't make out what he's saying. It's just kind of nonsensical, I think. But yeah, Frylock determines the call is coming from inside the bus, and Shake just, it is the bus, the bus of the undead, saying the episode title here, as opposed to the previous episode where there was no escape, there was no Leprocopolis, but this one's straightforward bus of the undead. Shake comes back inside, closes the door, and they discuss these horrifying findings further. Found pals on a bus? Oh yes, me what? The bus of the undead. Oh, Lubricated no. with 10W blood. Hmm. I'm not detecting any vampiritic activity. Besides, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. He's a he's a reverse vampire. They they crave the sun. Oh really? Y- y- yeah, they love it. They love to get tans. No kidding. Where are they from? Ab well, it's uh, Transylvania! Oh, oh no. No, <laughs> no, no way I, in I the world. No way on earth. See the wheels? Those are the markings. Where you get this <laughs> Bring forth the holy water! I want to discuss Carrie Means pulling a lot of weight this episode, as all episodes. Just a great counterpoint to Shake's insanity and Meatwad's willingness to believe him. I just love his no way in the world. Like, he... No one else could have played this role, honestly. And it's such a shame that Frylock as a character doesn't get more props because everyone's favorite character is either Meatwad, Shake, or Carl. Nobody really ever says Frylock. And all the other voice actors went on to bigger and better things. And unfortunately, Carrie Means never really got that trajectory in his career. Just such a bummer. He plays Frylock so well. And I think it really shows in this episode and this scene in particular. What's sad is Carrie Means has basically fallen on hard times ever since Aqua Teen ended. I mean, even while it was going, things weren't amazing from the sounds of it. In interviews, he's talked about how like little they got paid for these early episodes and they don't get residuals. So it's not like he's making money off of it now. But yeah, you see you see him reaching out a lot on GoFundMes and stuff like that. Just really tragic. I think he has one up now. If you want to toss him a few bucks from what I read, like COVID has really hit him hard because he makes most of his money from conventions these days. And obviously with COVID, he can't do that. His wife is on Reddit a lot, trying to bring attention to their causes and all the things they're trying to do to help him out. It's just really sad. His wife seems super cool. So he's also on Cameo too. If you, you know, get yourself a Frylock video, dude. It's such a tragedy that he doesn't get the props that he deserves for this and the professional and career recognition. But anyways, yeah, we see Frylock looking out the window and for the first time we see his power gem, which is revealed later to be the source of his powers. So there's a lot of plot lines revolving around his power gem being stolen or taken away or something and he gets very sick and they have to get it back. Frylock shuts down what Shake is saying about the bus being a vampire because it's daylight outside and Shake proclaims that it's a reverse vampire. He craves the sun 
and that he's from Transylvania, which is hilarious. And yeah, you have Frylock just saying no. That's that's not possible at all. Shake says, see the wheels, those are the markings, which <laughs> is just so bizarre. I feel like overall, I love the dialogue here. It's very Aqua Teen, but this whole, oh, it's a vampire thing is going on probably a little bit too long. But anyways, yeah, Shake calls for holy water and he goes and gets some from Carl's pool. Where is my paper? Short clip. I love the sound effects of Shake sucking up Carl's pool. He literally just sucks all the water out with his straw. Again, uh, his superpower that isn't really useful in the context of accomplishing anything that needs to be done, but he can do stuff with it. And just great line of Carl saying, where's my paper? You know, totally not necessary on their part to include that, but I, I love the little tie-in to earlier in the episode, Shake was stealing Carl's paper. After sucking up the water, Shake runs back to the living room where the other two are still waiting for him, and he just, he releases all the holy water right onto the carpet, right onto the floor. Here's the water. <laughs> now ordain me. Does anyone know how to do that? I do. Right, no, I don't. There's no time. <laughs> We yeah! I shall drive this wooden stake deep into the heart of the crankcase of the vampire bus. I don't know if I pointed it out, but in the previous episode, Escape from Leprechopolis, Shake does suck up a basketball as well, like in, in the big pile of junk that the leprechauns have stolen. He has a basketball sucked up into his straw at some point. So, yeah, the, I, I feel like later in the show, we don't really see him do this at all. But yes, like I said... Shake spills the water all over the floor, which is just very funny, very destructive. Then he says, now ordain me. And he asks, does anybody know how to do that? Very great here. Meatwad says, I do. Then after a pause, wait, no, I don't. <laughs> Again, just that great Aqua Teen humor. But yeah, Shake says, there's no time, runs, and he rips off some trim around Frylock's door as this is supposed to be like a wooden stake that he's going to drive deep into the heart of the crankcase of the vampire bus. Next clip, we're back outside. Shake is slowly approaching the vampire bus with the trim in his hands. It's just it's so not threatening and unthreatening to any sort of vampire creature, especially a bus. And he just looks so scared. Master Shake is so brave. Yeah, well, I got news for you, Meatwad. That bus is not a vampire. No, no, I know. I know, it's a reverse vampire. See, the thing you need to look at is the wheels. <laughs> he says in the markings. That's no, the way you can no, Meatwad. It's just a bus. Master Shake doesn't always know everything. But he's a genius. Well, I know he told you that, but... Well, let me in! Hurry! Before I'm sucked dry! <laughs> he is impenetrable. Meatwad just admiring Shake's bravery here as Shake is just creeping up to the bus, which is very funny visually. But yes, Meatwad is very impressed by Shake's bravery, which Shake typically isn't very brave in these episodes. So for him to actually be scared of something but attempting to deal with it is kind of strange to see, especially when you see some of the later episodes. Because a lot of the times, like, he won't be scared by a situation and he'll be fine in it, which you maybe you could say is brave. But here he's clearly scared, but he's still trying to deal with it. So I guess, you know, props to him, even though obviously this is just a school bus. I love Meatwad repeating exactly what Shake has said and told him. As if like he knows what he's talking about. It's just hilarious because you know you you'll find a lot of people who do that, especially in regards to politics. People just 
parroting what they've heard without really understanding it or thinking about it. He's like, yeah, see, look look at the wheels. Those are the markings. <laughs> like He just heard Jake say it earlier and he's just repeating it. It, it. Especially when it makes literally zero sense. Like he hasn't thought about it at all. He's just blindly trusting Jake. And then he says, but he's a genius. And Frylax says, well, I know he told you that. <laughs> but yes, Jake throws the trim at the bus. Like he's approaching it what seems like tactically, but he just chucks the trim at the bus and runs away. Runs back the door, pounding on the door, asking to be let inside, and then he says how the bus is impenetrable. And then we get another phone call, and Shake picks it up. And I love how casual he is when he picks it up here. Like, he was just screaming and scared, and, and now he's just, hello? Hello? Yeah, why did you throw molding at me? What do you want from me? I want the light turned on. I don't have the blood you crave! Oh. Blood? I just, no, I don't want the blood. I, I really want to see the light turned on, all right? If I don't have it on by nightfall, I'm going to lay on this horn. Why do it? Then I will probably call you back. To suck my blood? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> the vampire hung up. Great comedy here with Shake freaking out and crying while the person he's actually talking to is pretty calm, laid back, and their biggest threat is literally just honking a horn at them. Just very, very funny juxtaposition between the two. And I, I love how I love how casual H. John Benjamin plays this, you know? It's just and I will probably call you back. <laughs> and yeah, Moth Monster Man here just annoyed with Shake how stupid he is how he's acting like he's just asking him to turn the light back on and shake is like oh you're gonna suck my blood and stuff and eventually moth monster man plays into it he's just uh yeah sure like whatever dude just turn the light back on <laughs> and then i commented how it was funny that shake was freaking out that he calmly answers the phone it's kind of the same thing here where he's crying his eyes out on the phone as soon as the phone calls over he's just back to being calm again in this nice clip it's a bit of a long clip, but we see Frylock's room for the first time in its entirety. In the previous episode, we saw like him on the computer, but here we see the full thing as we're used to seeing it. You know, we see his giant computer. I love the Frylock anatomy poster he has. Like, did he make this or are there other Frylocks? It's just kind of, it raises a lot of questions. We see a picture of Frylock with a younger Dr. Weird who has brown hair in the photo as opposed to his gray hair. I love his his space sheets and his like solar system mobile above his bed. And great little touch of the cords on his computer being taped down to the floor. Reminds me, my dad was in a country band when I was growing up and they would get these like medium-sized gigs that sometimes I would help them set up on just simple stuff because I was a kid, but my dad wanted to get me involved. And yeah, taping down the cords is a must, so it's funny to see here. But yes, Frylock is in his room and he's running some tests on the chewed-up shake flag. Hmm, this looks like the work of a moth or a goat. What are you doing? You want a brownie? I took a saliva sample from this flag and I'm going to genetically extrapolate the DNA in my cloning device. When did you get a cloner? Then I'm going to regenerate the biochemical structure of these answer molecules me. and then transfer no. the... Clone me! And answer my clone! Do it! I command it! It's not a toy, Shake. I want the family I've never had. I need descendants to carry my seed into the future because I am about to be sucked dry by Dracula bus! The bus of the undead! Listen to me! Ow! <laughs> Whoever's in that bus is not Dracula. He's not in the bus, Frylock. He is the bus. I'm a detective. Where are you going? Dracula is dead and buried, Shake. And I'm going to show you his grave. Pack a bag. We're going to Memphis. Hey, will this thing clone brownies? What? Nothing. 
Some great physical acting here with Frylock hitting Shake on the head. Or I suppose he's supposed to be like slapping him on each cheek saying, listen to me. Really liked that. Frylock is so fed up with this vampire business that he is going to show Shake Dracula's dead by going to Memphis. This is their take on the kind of cartoon trope of going to Memphis, some sort of Elvis joke. But here it's it's with vampires instead. I want to point out that in the rough draft pilot on the DVD, there is an Elvis joke also made, but that joke did not make it to air. It's Meatwad having like an Elvis wig on. Eventually, there is a joke with Meatwad being Elvis, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that early tie-in to now they're finally getting to make their Elvis joke. As they're leaving the room, Shake drops his brownie tray into the cloner, which is actually a s- kind of surprising. You'd think he just made these brownies, he would want to eat them, but yeah, he drops them in the cloner, and they leave for Memphis, and we get a Schoolie D transition. Honestly, one of my favorites. It really ties in the scene well, and it ties into the next scene really well. We open to Meatwad pulling the guys in the danger cart on the side of the road here on their way to Memphis and kind of a fun little song playing at the same time. I'm going to play it just because I think it's it's very funny. Because it's vacation time, brothers. Vacation time, brothers. Vacation. <laughs> vacation. Meatwad's struggling to pull the guys in the danger cart. He says, oh, this ain't no vacation. This hurts. Poor guy. Meanwhile, Shake is just ribbing him on saying, faster, Meatwad. And they see a billboard of a vampire Elvis. And Meatwad says, I want to see the king. And Shake says, you are seeing the count. And that's basically that whole little scene of them on the side of the road. I did some Google map finagling here. So Miwat's pulling them on the side of the road, right? Like that's how they travel around. And according to Google Maps, walking from New Jersey to Memphis, Tennessee, takes over 353 hours, which would be a little over 14 days. But Miwat is going slower than walking as he pulls them. Like he rolls faster when he's not pulling them, obviously. So... We're looking at at least a month of travel time alone on this, but probably much more because he is going slower than walking. And you have to assume, I, I guess that for those 14 days I quoted would be without stopping. I assume they'd have to stop at some point, but who knows. Uh, thanks to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki for this next fact. I didn't notice it myself, but during the Aqua Teen's trek across the highway, Shake abruptly enlarges in size after shouting faster, Meatwad. If you know, if you watch back, he he just like ticks up. He gets a little bit bigger. It's kind of it's kind of strange. It's not supposed to be him like himself getting bigger. It's just like the image just gets bigger. It's it's hard to it's hard to describe really, but definitely uh, some sort of glitch. This is the second time we're seeing the danger card as well because we didn't see it in Escape from Leprechopolis, but obviously it wasn't Rabot. And now the the text on the side is red saying danger card number one, as opposed to neon green like it wasn't Rabot. Slowly and steadily, Meatwad did get them to Memphis. And in this next scene, we are at Dracula's grave. And it is misspelled on the banner saying Dracula's grave, D-R-A-C-L-A. Letting the viewer know off the bat that this is basically a sham, which, you know, obviously you could probably already assume being Dracula's grave in Memphis. Shake is listening to the audio guide on a cassette tape with his headphones on. And I believe Dave Willis is voicing this but i'm not 100 percent sure I'm, I'm not the best person to make these judgments but i'll make them nonetheless Welcome. i am dracula don't i listen this is my grave don't i listen the 
beyond my grave. Tonight, Lupin. for Dracula. The day on the grave stands for Dracula. Guess what the D's for, huh? It stands for Dracula. Jake, will you turn that down? You do not need to raise your voice at me. Look, my point is, Dracula is dead. Yeah, I know, I know. I rented the headphones. So that bus outside of our house is not Dracula. I know, it's the ghost of Dracula. It's a damn school bus. All right, it's a school bus. Hey, here's a fun idea. Let's go get some cat food. No, let's go nail ourselves to the cart and pull me home. Because this vacation is over. I love what they had to do to get these headphones to like fit on Shake's head because it's so big. <laughs> they had to specially design these headphones, I assume, and just the cords on them look kind of wacky because his head is just so wide. The characters are all yelling over the loudness. It reminds me a lot of like my fiance will have the TV on and sometimes volumes between different shows will vary. So some shows will be way louder than others and it'll just... So yeah, maybe she'll change the show. Then during a loud part of the show, it's just super loud and you weren't really expecting it. We're just yelling to each other. That's what this reminded me of. But yeah, yeah, Meatwad wants to go get catfish, but Shake says the vacation is over. Before we leave this scene, I'd like to mention really quick just the background. Um, it's just super cheap looking. We have you can you can hear the smoke machine in the background. There's just a big grave there. It looks like it was freshly dug, and this is all under a tent. And there's a headstone with a, just a D on it. And then there's just like Halloween decorations hung up around it. Like you can just tell what their intentions are. It's just cheap Halloween decorations. So this whole thing is just a scam. But yes, the vacation is over. And in this next clip, we have Meatwad pulling them back. They're clearly back in their neighborhood, except Carl's house is just engulfed in a cocoon. If it's one thing I like, it's a good six-week vacation. Being a detective, of course, usually I'm out solving a lot of big mysteries. I don't have time for this type of thing, but when I can get it in, it is good. Shake, look. Now look, they just tossed the mill in the yard like a pack of animals. What happened to Carl's house? Hey, which one of you guys left the door open? And tore it off the hinges and threw it in the yard. Okay, so I didn't pick this up until now, but Shake mentions that they had a six-week vacation. So it, it appears that Dave and Matt kind of thought about how long this would take because it sounds, yeah, if, if they didn't do a whole lot while there, which we'll kind of get to in a minute here, that six weeks would be about how much travel time it took them <laughs> just to be there for a couple of days. So Shake is kind of just talking as they're getting pulled to their house and... Frylock, we get a great shot of him. He just floats out of the danger cart and when he notices Carl's house covered in cocoon. I want to say there's just awesome, incredible detail on the cocoon here. I, I think Bob Pettit did it again. He's the only one listed as a background artist. Just so much detail. You can see every strand for such a low-res show that this must have took a lot of time, I would imagine. Also, the Get Out written on the Aqua Teen's house is purple. This time, uh, earlier in the episode, it was... It looked black. It's just kind of interesting. But yeah, they, they get home. Frylock notices Carl's house. And then and they notice that the door is ripped off of their own house. Shake comes into the house swinging. Very brave of him because you don't know who's going to be in your house. And he finally meets Moth Monster Man face to face. What is going on in here? Oh, hey, where you guys been? Memphis. Really? Yes. That's awesome. How was it? Oh, it was very nice. They light up the bridge. We had fried catfish. When did you want fried catfish? Very easy to spot animation error here. The door was just ripped off the hinges, thrown out into the yard. But then as Shake comes in, the door is back on the hinges. <laughs> just really funny. 
I can't claim to know their, what they were working with at the time or anything like that, but it just seems strange to me that they couldn't have the door off the hinges because they have it being animated like when they open it. So I don't understand why they couldn't just like not have that asset there and just have the door open or why they couldn't have kind of just covered it. I don't know. I love Moth Monster Man being like genuinely interested in their vacation and very positive about it. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like he's just really happy for them. <laughs> Shake mentions that they had catfish, which is a callback to the previous scene really where they were in Memphis and Meatwad wanted catfish and Shake said no. So poor Meatwad missing out on the thing that he himself suggested. The way that Shake's brain operates, it seems to me like he only wanted it because it was mentioned to him. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this like small slice of life conversation between them about the vacation. Frylock comes into the house and he is not won over by Moth Monster Man like the other two are. Who are you and what are you doing in our house? Oh, um, I, I really had to get to this light. It's been driving me nuts. Isn't it great? Yes, it is great. Oh, is it? Hey. But this is that movie. Yeah, it's uh, Assisted Living Dracula. It's really good. I mean, the guy's good in it. The light is turned back on, the shake signal. Funny that it's not plugged in at all. It's just sitting there by itself. I, it, maybe it's battery operated. I don't know. Moth Monster Man watching Assisted Living Dracula. Again, just just funny how this is a good movie in their universe. And I just thought, the guy is good in it. <laughs> As they're talking, we hear Carl kind of grunting in the background and then... Frylock goes over to investigate. And what is this? Oh, it's Carl. Oh, you guys know him? Oh, He's got a real mouth oh, on him. Oh, my stomach is vibrating. Oh, hey, Carl. I didn't recognize you with all that silk. Please, God, cut me down here, fry man. What have you done to him? Uh, I just laid a thousand of my eggs inside of his esophagus. Uh, you know, I need to propagate my species, and he's being a baby about it. Well, you know we have a cloner. Seriously? <gasps> oh, no, the cloner. The brownies. My brownies. <laughs> Wait, you guys have a pool? Oh my god. Big scene here, a lot of stuff happening, and really, I guess, just the climax of the episode before it's almost over here. We see Carl in a cocoon. He's feeling sick. It turns out that Moth Monster Man, who we thought like really was not a threat at all, kind of is, because he laid eggs in Carl's throat, and they are hatching, and Carl will presumably die. So as we get that revelation, we hear a, a beep, and then a bunch of brownie monsters barge out of Frylock's room. You can see that the DNA of the brownies and Moth Monster Man's DNA was spliced together, so we have some horrible creature, the brownies that shake through in before their vacation. So those come out, and the Aqua Teens run out of the house. Again, the door is off the hinges, which is funny. Then we have the brownies move in on Moth Monster Man. He's just, he's just sitting on the couch. It's funny because like, they didn't want to animate anything, so he just looks over. He's just, oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, he doesn't move. So the funny thing here is Moth Monster Man wanted to carry on his his DNA, his line. And in a way, that kind of happened, I guess, with the, the brownies do have his DNA. We assume Moth Monster Man is dead and Carl as well, marking the first actual death of Carl. But, you know, we don't actually see it. So who knows? We're cut to Aqua Teens in the pool. I guess they're not really in it. So Shake is in it in his green dinosaur floaty which i don't think i've mentioned before yeah it's a green dinosaur and it was first shown in rabot and was also in escape from leprocopolis so we're three for three on seeing this green dinosaur that shake uses as a floaty very cute i, I really like this design but yes frolic is floating above the pool he's not actually in it and meatwad is sitting on the edge of the pool we get a nice shot of the back of carl's house in a cocoon 
Again, there's just great detail on it. But yeah, I'll play the clip here. You put a brownie in my cloning device, didn't you? No. Yes. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Listen, that was six weeks ago. Look, I locked the door. Just, just let him just duke it out. You lock that door. It was out in the yard. So yeah, they're just talking to Shake about how this is his fault. He says just let them duke it out, and then he locked the door. Meatwad pointed out the door was out in the yard, and then the brownie monsters just show up, and the Aqua Teens run out of the pool, and that's the end of the episode. So I think probably our most random ending yet. I'm assuming you're familiar with Aqua Teen. This is something they do a lot, where just something completely random happens like this, and it's just over. Which, for an 11-minute episode, like I'd imagine it's hard to really tell a coherent story in that amount of time. With the last two episodes, I wasn't really a fan of those until I watched them a ton of times for this podcast. This one kind of was the opposite for me. I have great memories of this episode. I remember watching it on TV when I was younger. I have a very specific memory. I was eating a can of like garlic butter potatoes, which just sounds weird. I'd, I don't think that they were really very any good. But as I've mentioned before, grew up not a lot of money. So, hey, man, I ate what was there. And I remember just watching this episode, loving it, eating those potatoes and watching back now. Like it's, it's still a great episode, but I was surprised how slow it was in the beginning. Like not much happens in the first half of the episode. And then the second half that you can tell that they just ran out of time. They couldn't really come to a good conclusion on it. In retrospect, I should have bought more of those potatoes or at least tried to find them. I don't know if they still make them anymore and eat some of those while watching this to put myself back in that, that time period, but whatever. Overall, I enjoy this episode. Love John Benjamin. For me, this is where the show starts to find its footing in like the first proper Aqua Teen episode. Some people will say it's Mayhem of the Moon Knights, our next episode. I can see that point as well. That episode is definitely better overall. It's better paced. But I just love like how mundane this, this monster is. I think I'll have to rate this episode four fried catfish out of five. Which might be a little generous, but I don't know. I just have a soft spot for this episode. Great dialogue here. Funny monster. But yeah, guys, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening to the third episode of Dancing is Forbidden. If you'd like to get in touch, you can check the show notes. But I'm on Twitter at AquatinePod. Also on Instagram at AquatinePod. I'm more of an Instagram user. Like I'm not as familiar with Twitter, so I'll probably be a little bit more active on Instagram. But I'll post on both. You can email me at dancingisforbiddenpod at gmail.com. And of course, check out the website, dancingisforbidden.com. Pretty bare bones. It just links to the episodes, but maybe at some point I can put more up there. Normally, this is where a podcast would ask you to review, leave some ratings on iTunes or whatever. But after looking into it, I found out that was all for nothing, that these podcasts have been wasting our time. I apologize for wasting your time last week. Apparently, rating and reviewing episodes does not help its standing in the algorithm. It does not help the show show up more. So I'm not going to ask you guys to do it anymore. If you like the episode, what would really help is just show a friend. Say, hey, check this out, man. If you know somebody likes Aqua Teen, let them know. Still no news regarding the new movie or the new episodes. But once that news comes out, I will, of course, talk about it on these episodes. But yes, thanks for hanging out. Hope you guys... Have a great week until we talk next time when we discuss Mayhem of the Moonanites.